Hey everybody, welcome back to Choose Inclusion. This is UBC Mignetti, and as always, I'm here with Nina and Michael. Hello, team. Hey everyone. Hey, I, I feel like I'm in trouble because you said Michael. I know. Uh, but yeah, am I, am, I, am I in trouble? No, no, not at all. I'm just trying okay. to be more, uh, you Formal? know. Yeah, not yeah. with me though. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I don't think I'm <laughs> with these phones. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm super excited about our guest today, though. Yes, me too. So we are joined by the manager of diversity, equity, and inclusion at a really cool um, platform that we're going to talk about called Unite Us. But first and foremost, welcome Arifa Bevan. How are you and, and what's going on? Hello, everyone. Thank you for welcoming me. I'm excited to be here. How's everyone doing? Good. You know, I think, um, you know, pretty good. I mean, there's still a lot going on in, in, mm -hmm. in, in the world, but um, it, it's good. You know, the vaccinations are rolling and, and that kind of stuff. So that helps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like, you know, especially these past couple of weeks, um, trying to intentionally kind of focus on a lot of the good stuff that's happening is, is, um, you know, more of an effort, but it's, it's needed because there is a lot of good stuff happening amongst all the craziness happening as well. Um, and as I'm talking to you all right now, I, I have my, my desk right in front of my window. And so I'm like looking up at the, the clear sky and my trees are blooming in the yard. So, so things are pretty good today. Awesome. Well, we, we can't thank you enough for, um, you know, just, just trusting us with your voice. And, you know, first off, can you uh, tell us, tell us a little bit, a little bit about you, your background, and because it's really fascinating and how you got to unite us. Yeah, absolutely. So um, to start, the pronouns that I use are she, her, and hers. Um, and I, uh, you know, just to kind of take it way back, I, you know, am in New York now, but I was born in the West Indies um, on an island called St. Thomas. And really, uh, my family and I worked our way from there to um, the Bronx. And from there, I moved to Albany to go to school um, and then moved further upstate right outside the Adirondacks um, outside of Albany. Um, and so where I am now is, is you know, in, in Albany, New York, right outside Albany. Um, and, you know, the way that I, I started my work in this space, um, is it's interesting yes because it, it i i was going back and forth between fitness and healthcare and my family um you know we're nurses doctors and so i had automatically thought that that was the path um for me because of that and so when i went to um the university at albany i was in pre-med first um and very quickly as in quickly the first semester, um, I realized it was not for me and I just dropped very quickly. Um, I just, I didn't like the coursework. Um, I was not getting the straight A's that I was used to. Um, and I just didn't feel connected to the, to, to the material and what I was learning. Um, and so I had transitioned to being an English major, um, but had convinced myself that one way or another that I would um, help people that I would find a way to help people and to somehow make a difference. Um, and so despite, you know, my mom being very upset about that transition and me no longer being in pre-med, I just, you know, move forward, um, you know, with, you know, my studies and, and eventually um, ended up being a community health worker 
um, for a nonprofit um, actually right outside of Albany. And so, you know, as a community health worker and then eventually um, overseeing that program in itself shortly after, um, it had really positioned me in a place to truly understand um, and experience um, from the perspective of someone who was in the boots in boots on the ground work and, and directly involved in the community and in the community every single day to really understand what people were going through when it came to navigating the healthcare um, and social care systems um, and then helping them at the exact same time with not only navigating that but also addressing the social determinants of health that they themselves were dealing with. So whether it was rent eviction or excuse me, eviction, um, paying their rent or um, childcare, just so many different layers um, and barriers, I should say, right, to, to their care. And so it went from me managing that program um, and, and um, you know, trying to tr like devise ways that, that we can um, have a bigger impact when it came to advocating for community health workers and, and came to giving a voice to the community um, when it came to health literacy or, or for them to just to be seen and heard when it came to their needs. Um, you know, it, it just really evolved to um, me truly understanding what, what the impact was in two different ways, not only with the social determinants of health, but then also how DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion are just so closely linked to that as well. Um, and so from there, from being in that program and, and managing that program, um, I had the opportunity to work um, for the health plan that was um, funding it. Um, and so they had reached out to me and they're like, hey, you know, do you just want to transition to working for the, the for us, for the health plan directly? Um, and that was where the fitness side had came in and I had declined. And I said, no, I want to be a kickboxing instructor. This is my new path. Um, and so I had declined. Um, I had declined. And so I changed my mind like two weeks later. Um, and, and still, you know, to this day, I'm, I, I still try to, you know, get that, that kick in, you know, every once in a while, I have a punching bag downstairs and whatnot. But that transition to the health plan really um, allowed me to now see or to then see from, you know, being boots on the groundwork to then being able to see from directly within the healthcare space of the gaps and challenges that are so prevalent, um, you know, in healthcare and in social care. And so the focus became addressing health disparities and, and working with hospitals and community-based organizations to educate them about the intersection of health literacy, about DEI, about the social determinants. Um, and then that was in conjunction with also leading um, the, the work groups within that organization that were focused on health equity, cultural competency, and health literacy. Um, and so all of that uh, led me to, to, um, to Unite Us, to, to being here at Unite Us, where um, I am the manager of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and still working to drive this amazing work forward. Um, and then just to provide a, you know, the background of Unite Us, you know, we're a um, tech company that started about seven years ago. We're in uh, 42 states now. Um, and what we do is we build these care coordinated networks and, and platforms for that purpose of connecting healthcare and social care together um, through what's called a closed loop referral platform. And so this 
is what allows for that collaboration that we all know is needed between healthcare and social care entities so that the communication is happening so that we are working to remove those barriers to care um, and help to address those social determinants and those barriers to health and to health equity as a whole. Um, and you know, this is really what had stood out for me um, about Unite Us and joining because you know, as a community health worker and a manager for the program and working for the health plan, this was a question that was brought up all the time, right? It was like, if we just had something to connect these companies together, if we just had that one piece that would have the food pantry talk to the health insurance company, we just had this one piece um, and Unite Us was that piece. Um, and so that was really a driving factor of what really drew me to, to joining the team. Um, in addition to our, um, our mission and our goal when it comes to this space of um, diversity, equity, inclusion. Like I, I wanted to be a part of work of, of a mission that um, was truly, that truly understood it and that truly understood that it's a journey. Um, and so, and being a part of Unite Us, it's, it's been indeed a journey in itself. And, and so being able to have that impact in this space um, has been truly amazing. I've been here since October um, and it's been a, a wild ride since then. And just seeing that the difference and impact that we're making in the community has been just amazing. Wow. Rufo, that's awesome. I, yes. I, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit, because I think when we start throwing around terms like social determinants of health and care coordinated networks, um, that those terms might sometimes go over the heads of some people, right? Um, I mean, I know that I don't hear the term care coordinated networks a lot, but when we were talking about it originally, like, I think, I think you told me some really impactful stories of like basically where the problems of a lack of coordination come up and how that impacts people directly, especially from these marginalized communities. Can you talk to me about like what a typical experience is like right now or some of the problems we have right now due to the lack of care coordinated networks and like how what you're doing is changing that? Yeah, so a great example. Um, so to kind of back up and, and define social determinants of health. So, so what that really means is social determinants of health really speak to the barriers um, or conditions or environments that are hindering or preventing an individual from achieving their best health. So that could be uh, education, it could be um, economic stability, it could be the neighborhood where they live. Um, it could be so many different factors. I mean, there, there are, there's a lot, um, physical environments, social environments, um, working conditions, there's a lot, right? Um, and so when we're talking about care coordination, it's about care coordination really speaks to the ability to um, coordinate care or direct care or provide care in a way that we are acknowledging um, or recognizing, um, acknowledging or just basically recognizing the, the barriers and, and issues, but then also keying in on the key, on, on the entities that we have to link together in order for that person to receive that care. So about 80% um, of a person's health is attributed to social care. 
um, not clinical care. Um, and so what that means is there are social factors that are impacting a person's ability to be healthy. So um, just to kind of tie this to an exact example um, and story, there's, there's so many, especially as they relate to um, health literacy is one of them. And I could definitely talk more about that, that later because we actually just had a, a one-on-one, or excuse me, a um, health literacy one-on-one session uh, yesterday that I facilitated. But to provide an example of how this can be an issue, is, um, you know, I talked with y'all about this earlier, is if someone were to, if I, I'll use myself, I were to um, come into a food pantry and um, identify, you know, that, you know, obviously I'm there because I'm in need of food. um, And, you know, throughout the intake process, you discover perhaps that, um, or maybe you even notice that I just look, I just look like there's something you know, wrong with me. I have a, perhaps I have a chronic condition that I'm not taking care of in the right way. Right. And, you know, you're going through the intake process um, and you're discovering that, you know, there's additional issues and barriers that I'm dealing with. Um, And I reveal to you that, yeah, I'm actually dealing with this certain chronic condition, um, but I don't have health insurance. So, you know, I can't go to the doctor to get the medication that I need or to get the, um, or to, you know, get the treatment plan that I need. Um, And so if I did not have that connected, that connector piece, such as, you know, a platform like Unitas, then how, you know, would that coordinator who is doing the intake for me, help me truly, right? Because if we are truly looking to help someone, can you just say to them, oh, that's, you know, I'm so sorry, that's unfortunate, but here's the food package for the week and I'm just gonna send you on your way. Can we really say that we're helping someone by doing that if we already identify that they have this other need, right? Um, and so the goal is when we're talking about care coordination, it's that that holistic wraparound care, right? So if I were to come in then with that issue um, on top of that food need, and you know, you've identified, for example, that I don't have that um, the health insurance or that piece that's going to help me get additional services, then you then you'd be able to, if you were using Unite Us as an example, you would be able to ut- utilize that platform to connect me to that um, navigator they're called, that healthcare navigator, to then sign me up for insurance um, and you know get me the care that I need in order for that additional need to be addressed. Because to just say that you know I'm going to take care of this one piece um, of your needs, but then not this other piece is difficult and unfortunately happens a lot. Um, you know, it, it's probably, I'm not even going to say probably, it's more than likely attributed to, um, you know, high ED or um, emergency room utilization rates because we have folks who are utilizing emergency rooms and care because there's so many other things that are happening. Um, you actually do have folks that will go to the emergency room because they have nowhere else to stay, right? So then we have a housing and shelter problem, right? So there's just, when we're talking about care coordination, we have to really consider the, the wraparound care, that holistic approach, right? That, that we all need, um, but that we have to look at individuals as people who um, are dealing with these multiple determinants of health, right? These multiple factors that impact their ability to truly live a healthy life. And then we have to address that appropriately. Arifa, I, I love um, I, I love everything you're saying. So help me understand then, like to, so Unite Us 
uh, get it. You're, you're going to where people, uh, are, which a huge fan of then on the flip side of that, the other organizations that let's say can help with healthcare that can help with, let's say employment that can help with, let's say housing, how does unite us then, you know, it, you know, cause each, each city, each state has very, uh, you know, specific initiatives in and around this. So what does Unite Us do to uh, make that connection? Yeah, I love that question. Um, so as part of our strategy, it's so important that when we are engaging with communities, and by communities, I mean community-based organizations, um, uh, for-profit organizations, um, state, federal, whatnot, we are coming in as partners and collaborators in this work, meaning that we acknowledge that there's great work that's already being done or it's on its, you know, it's like being discussed, it's being talked about, there's a strategy in place. Um, and so it's so key for us to acknowledge that, that we're not saviors, we're not solving anything. We are partners in driving this work forward. And so part of our strategy is doing the research um, and having these conversations initially to discuss and talk about what's already being done um, and where are the gaps? How can we partner? How can we collaborate? How can we push this work forward? So when we're talking about these different entities and these different partners, that's exactly what we do is we first identify um, the great work that's already in place. And then how can we um, come in and partner on, on enhancing it? The other key component to that, I, I just, as I was talking, as um, I'm just thinking about too, is one of the the important details that was missing when I was a community health worker was the um, the follow-up, right? So yeah. for example, if I, um, as a community health worker, you know, I've identified someone, you know, who needs a physical or who needs a referral to such and such place. I'm like, okay, great. Here's a phone number for you. Um, or, you know, I'm going to call this person. I'm going to make sure that they look out for you when you come in for this particular need. But then how do we ensure that that follow-up happens, right? Um, because a lot of the time it doesn't, um, you know, for whatever reason. And so part of our goal is to make sure that there is that closed loop and that um, we are tracking the referrals um, and the outcomes of those referrals so that that the providers know that the care is happening, that, that the, the referral is getting closed or resolved, um, and that we have that end piece, that, that, final, that final end piece that says, okay, this referral has been turned into a case, the case has been solved, um, and now it's closed, um, as opposed to, you know, that, that consistent follow-up or, or just the, the phone calls just to see, hey, where we're at with this or what's going on with this, um, you have the ability to at least track and see where it is. Well, I've always been fascinated by the, the concept of, of a community health worker, because I, I guess I didn't realize that, that we had people like that in, um, in the U.S. It, my example is from a nonprofit that I used to sit on the board of where uh, we, we had medical students um, who would travel to Peru to train community health workers for the villages in the Amazon. And it wow. was... Just it, it was such a um, I don't, it was just a new concept to me, and I thought it was just fascinating and powerful, right? Because you know it's these people were responsible for taking care of let's say a village of a hundred people, right? And and so training them on just like the basics of a cold or pneumonia or diarrhea, right? Things like that. Um, 
to take care of their community. And so it just, you know, with technology now, to your point about, you know, um, access and things like that and, and, and follow up, it, it almost, it seems to me like we, like we could create the new era of community health worker um, that, that could be that, that uh, you know, technology could be sort of their, their tool and you know, there's a combo, there's a sort of a combo effect of community health worker plus unite us platform that really starts to bring communities together. Uh, I, I don't know. Is that, is that a thing or. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like, you know, think of us like the, the connective tissue between the different entities providing services, right? right. That, that, co- that connector piece. Um, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I mean, community health workers, they've been around for a while, but even now it's still, um, it's still a question of, 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 you know, what do they do? How do they do it? Do they exist? Like, should I be talking to them? Who do they work for? So it's still, um, I still feel like there's still a lot more conversations that need to happen about why they're so significant in the community. Um, Especially when it comes to, health literacy, for example, right? Like we, um, it was mentioned earlier about, we can't expect people, there's so much expectation and burden that's placed on the patient or the community. Um, But like when we're talking about health literacy specifically, if you think, or, or, you know, if you think about like the the name of these medications um, or like if you're dealing with so many chronic conditions, or if you are trying to navigate the healthcare system as a whole, um, or if you're dealing with a a provider that just has awful bedside manner after you were sitting in the waiting room for an hour and a half, like, of course, health literacy is going to be a challenge, right? But the question is, is it really on the burden of the patient and the community? Or is it on the providers and the individuals who are creating these materials and who are making these these policies to, to really kind of stop and think like, hey, is this actually really clear? Hey, is this prescription bottle really, you know, stating what it needs to say in order for whomever is taking it to truly understand? Um, and so, you know, health literacy is a really big passion of mine, but I feel like um, having community health workers and, and other advocates involved to really speak up and, and you know, create the materials that are needed and, and have the conversations that are needed around these policies and procedures that are really you know, unfortunately impacting folks in just in the wrong way. Um, and it's leading to, you know, higher healthcare costs and people who are being hospitalized because they didn't take their medications properly, but there's so many reasons for it. And, and health literacy is a really big driving factor of that. Arifa, one of the things that I want to make sure we hit on um, before we close out is, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about mental health and just kind of the role mental health plays in in everything that we're experiencing right now in the world now. Um, but yeah, I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, with with mental health and and particularly in the space of diversity, equity, inclusion, is I think of it in, in two ways. And and one um, as it relates to DEI programming, but then also as it relates to the the people and folks who are doing this work as well too. Um, and so, you know, in terms of the, the space of DEI, um, it's so important to include um, mental health support and programming and conversations because 
you know, generally speaking, mental health is definitely not talked about enough. Um, and because of that, you know, a lot of people try to mask their struggles or create um, a hard separation between their mental wellness and their workspace. Um, and with everything going on, it's just so much Im more important to just acknowledge um, the stress, the trauma, and just the impact um, of everything going on, because we are at work, you know, most of the week. And so how do we do that? How do we be inclusive about it? How do we acknowledge it and 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 um, and still be able to do our work and, and get things accomplished? And so um, psychological safety is such a big, um, big deal for us at Unite Us. And so, you know, we talk a lot about, um, you know, enhancing psychological safety. What does that exactly look like? And what does, um, a safe space look like, right? So thinking about employee resource groups, or perhaps, um, you know, we we have access to Headspace at Unite Us. And so maybe taking like two or three minutes in the beginning of a meeting to do a quick meditation or something along the lines of that, where we are, um, you know, fostering that safe space, but then also encouraging on a regular basis for our team to, um, you know, check in with each other to, um, you know, practice empathy and kindness and to take time, especially for themselves. Um, and so, you know, I've talked about like the, the programming side, but like, you know, in moving to the next piece, which is when we are involved in this work, um, it's hard. It's hard work because there's always something that that needs to be done. There's always something that should be done. There's just so much work that that needs to be done in this space. And so, you know, if you're working in this space and if you're working in DEI, um, it can be really hard on you because you're so heavily involved in the work and, um, and you know, whether you're dealing with resistance um, in the organization or if you're dealing with, um, you know, crafting, you know, messaging or materials um, or having really tough, challenging, brave conversations, it's still really hard on you as an individual. And so I just want to, um, you know, take the time to thank other folks who are involved in this work as well, too, but then to also encourage them to truly take time, um, you know, for yourself, because even for me, I always have to remind myself to do that. Um, because I'm always asking myself, you know, what else can I do? Or what can be done better? But then, you know, it's so important to just take a pause and to just check in with yourself and see how you're feeling, because I feel like we're always processing the feelings and emotions of situations and other people. But then for ourselves, we also have to check in, too. And so um, I just want to put that out there as well, just to to remind individuals in this work to just take time to for self-care and to. Um, you know, take a day off once in a while, once a month, put blocks on your calendar between meetings to just breathe um, and just to, to, you know, it's okay to disconnect as well too. Um, so I just wanted to take that, that time to just call that out. Arifa, I feel like you're talking directly to me right now. So please, <laughs> please, please, please send me an invoice because I needed to hear that. <laughs> I'm glad it's impacted you like that. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> Well, we, we can't thank you enough for, for spending some time with us today. You know, it's this, you know, COVID really kind of exposed the health disparities um, between communities of people in this country. And, you know, it's, it's everything you're talking about is, is <laughs> where we should have been, but where we can go. Right. And um, I'm just excited that 
that there is a platform that's so widespread. You know, the fact that you're in 42 states is incredible. And it's just such a positive way forward to to closing those gaps. So just, yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for joining us today. This is amazing. Thank you, everyone. I appreciate the yeah. time and I love the conversation. Thank you so much, Arifa. Thank, thank you. you, Arifa. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you, everybody, for keeping uh, keeping the dial on Choose Inclusion podcast. We can't thank you enough for that. So check out chooseinclusion.com. And um, yeah, we'll check you later. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.